1: that come, and they do come a lot, use it as a signal or feedback that that's the time and the place, or that's the situation, to investigate how it is that we're resisting our experience. What is it that we're not opening to? Tonight I'd like to talk about the nature of struggle, the nature of struggle in our practice and, and in our lives. Is struggle ever helpful? Does it ever help us in our understanding? Or does it always entangle us in more suffering? (coughs) This question of struggling was addressed by the Buddha in the very first sermon that he gave after his enlightenment, the discourse which is called the turning of the wheel of the law. The setting of the wheel of the law in motion. The first discourse of the Buddha after his enlightenment talked of the Four Noble Truths. And the first part of this first discourse had to do with the investigation of struggle. He used the word dukkha. popular word in the Buddhist teachings, dukkha. It means, that's the Pali word, and it means, among other things, hard to bear or hard to endure. The first noble truth of the Buddha's enlightenment has to do with the investigation of this aspect of reality, this aspect of dukkha or struggle or what's hard to bear, hard to endure. He gave us some clue in terms of where to look for this understanding. He told us what was hard to bear and what's hard to endure. He said that association with what is unwanted Or undesired is dukkha, is struggle. Parting from what is desired or what is wanted is struggle or dukkha. When we're with what we don't want, we struggle. When we're abandoned by what we do want, we struggle. Given the fact that everything seems to come and go by itself, pretty much out of our control, somehow it doesn't seem fair. <laughs> you know, we're often associated with what we don't want and we're often abandoned by what we do want. And so we're often in this state of dukkha a struggle or suffering. Is there a way to understand this process where we can open to the changing nature of experience free of dukkha, free of struggle? When we see that the nature of the suffering is our resistance to what comes or our attachment to what is changing. The struggle or the suffering comes not from the experiences themselves, but rather from a certain kind of relationship to experience. When we resist what's coming, what's there, so we suffer. When we try to hold on or cling or be attached to that which is changing, we also suffer. This struggle has two aspects. One aspect is, the, is that of it being a misdirected energy. It's a misdirected effort. It's like we find ourselves fighting with experience, fighting with life, out of harmony. So it's the use of our energy in a disharmonious way. But it also has a positive aspect. And it's understanding this positive aspect which we can turn to our advantage in the practice. And that is at times of suffering, or times of struggling, in our practice here or in our lives outside, that struggle is a signal or it illuminates the fact that we have come to some edge or to some boundary in our minds, in our hearts, of what we're willing to be with, of what we're willing to accept. So we're, right at the, we're brought right to the edge. If at that time we can then investigate what it is that actually is going on, what, the kind, what kind of experience is it that we're resisting or pulling back from, that we can't surrender to or open to, then we use that struggle in the service of our own investigation and exploration and opening. So that instead of pulling back from boundaries and pulling back from the edge, we expand. We expand our ability or we expand the range of experience that we can be with. What are some of the experiences which come, which push us right to the edge? There are a few which stand out as being particularly helpful in that way. Mm-hmm. Big one. First big one that comes in practice, pain. Generally, when people come to retreat, begin intensive practice, common experience is that we, that we start feeling or becoming aware of all kinds of painful sensations in the body. How do we relate to this pain? It's interesting to observe when the pain comes you know, by the last sitting in the afternoon, and the back hurts, and the knees hurt, and the shoulders hurt. To look and investigate how we're relating to that experience, how we're relating to the painful feeling. A few of the common ways that we've been conditioned or habituated to relate to pain one of them is self-pity. We feel sorry for ourselves. You know, poor, it's, it's the poor me you know, pattern in the mind. Everybody in the room is sitting in blissful samadhi, and only my knees hurt. You know, poor me. It's not very helpful. Right? It just kind of collapses us in on ourselves. Another way, and probably an even more strongly conditioned way that we relate to pain, is with fear. Often, we're afraid to feel the pain. We're afraid of those sensations, of those feelings. We've been conditioned in our minds to be afraid. So what do we do? That fear creates a sense of contraction or pulling back pain arises in our experience and because of the fear in the mind we contract we withdraw and we get tight the effect of that contraction is simply to create more pain we make everything tighter and more tense so we lock pain on top of pain tension on top of tension it's not a very skillful way or a helpful way to relate to the painful feelings that come. Is there another way of being with pain? A way that's opening rather than contracting? A way that's releasing rather than tightening? The first step or the foundation in a truer relationship with pain is a willingness, almost a a joyous willingness to look at it, to actually see what is this thing which we call pain, what is this experience, instead of being frightened by the impression of pain, instead of being fearful of the first signals of it, kind of settle back and go into it, investigate it. What is this experience? What's happening? We begin to see that what we called a pain in the knee... With all the attendant feelings and emotions about that, of fear and pity, self pity, we see that pain in the knee is an abstraction for much more specific experiences. What is pain? Pain is certain sensations, certain physical sensations that happen to be rather intense, and there's a wide range. You now it could be stabbing, it could be burning, it could be pulling, it could be pressure, it could be heaviness, it could be tearing. It's long list. But you see that when the mind, when there's a willingness to go into and explore what it actually is, rather than react with fear or self-pity to the abstraction of pain, we find that actually the mind can stay open and balanced in a much easier way. It's says, if we become interested in what's going on. There's one attitude of mind which is indispensable for this investigation of pain. And that's the attitude of acceptance or allowing. It's that quality of softness of mind. Is it possible when painful feelings come up, when these intense sensations arise in the sitting or walking or at any time in our lives, is it possible for us to relax into the awareness of those sensations. Not to pull back, not to tighten, not to contract. But to soften into it. It's a very different relationship. And it has very different consequences. Painful sensations are actually an extremely good object of meditation. Often people have the idea that pain is a mistake. Or, you know, if only the pain would go away, then I practice, you know, would deepen and I could get on with it. And it's missing how valuable that experience is as an object of meditation, because when there's strong sensation in the body, the mind is not wandering. You know, you're not kind of daydreaming and drifting, and you're certainly not asleep. There's a lot of energy there, there's a lot of intensity. If we can learn how to be with it in a soft way, very quickly deepening of our practice, And so in that way, these painful feelings can be considered a gift and an opportunity for us. But we have to learn how to be with it skillfully, rather than in unskillful ways. Relaxing, softening, allowing ourselves to go into it. Sometimes people wonder why when they come to retreat all of a sudden their body is filled with pain. Right? In their lives they're going along and you know, there's not much awareness of things being so painful. Come to sit and immediately everything starts to hurt. What is that? It's several things. One is simply the fact that we're sitting so long in an unaccustomed posture. And so that will take some time for the body to settle. But more interesting than that is the kind of pain which is the accumulated tension that we're all carrying around and mostly unaware of. And you can see as you pay attention to to one's own body or other people's bodies, we can see the holding patterns, the armoring that we all carry. That's painful. That holding is tension in the body. It's not openness. It's not a free flow of energy. So we sit in an undistracted way. We begin to tune into it. We begin to experience what it is that we're carrying around in our lives. And what's so freeing and beautiful <clears throat> about the practice is that the awareness itself, as we bring awareness to this holding or tension or pain, you could think of it as energy knots in the body, as we bring awareness to it, we create the space for those knots to untie, for those knots to release. You will experience, it happens daily, it's very noticeable over over a period of time of 10 days, a few weeks, a month, certainly within three months, you will notice a big change in terms of the letting go of the tension that we're holding. But it's not letting go by an act, an active command. Have any of you had success with telling the pain to go away? Unlikely. Rather, the letting go, the letting go of this holding happens by letting it be, by not resisting, by not tightening, by creating the space or the openness to simply experience it. As we soften into it, We allow for the untying of the knots. So in that sense, the awareness or the acceptance of painful sensation is a very healing process. It's tremendously healing, it's healing of the body, it's healing of the mind. Pain is so interesting because it brings us so quickly to that edge of what we're willing to be with, to that boundary, which is really for each of us our own particular limitation. We can be with this much and no more. At this point, we start to struggle. Use the intensity of sensation that comes in the practice when you get to that point When you're struggling with the pain, use that as a signal to pay attention to that point. Okay, relax, soften, let me be with this too. You see that those boundaries or those limitations begin to expand and to open. In the course of the retreat, you will also begin to see and investigate the ways in which we resist doing that, the ways we resist being accepting or being open. Just to mention a couple of them, to give you some idea of those areas to pay attention to, the mind can get so tricky and so subtle in its Habit of not being accepting. One way that it works with pain very often is it starts to bargain. I'll be with you if you'll go away. So willingness, okay, I'll watch the pain, I'll be with it, in order for it to leave, in order to untie this knot. That doesn't work. Because that's not really being accepting. That's still pushing against it. There's no bargaining. The practice of acceptance of being with things is to totally, willingly, joyfully be with every part of our experience that arises. And so look at the mind and see whether it's resisting in this kind of subtle way. When we think we're being with it, but not really, it's interesting to observe also how our fear of discomfort or our fear of pain also conditions so many of our desires, so many of our actions. There's a syndrome of the mind. It's called Just-In-Case Syndrome. I'll have that fourth rice cake just in case I'm hungry later. You may not not actually be hungry, but just in case I'll have it now. I'll go to sleep now just in case I would be tired tomorrow morning. And we have this fear that You know, sometime down the road we may be uncomfortable or feel some painful, painful sensation. And so we do things. We feed our desires in an attempt to ward that off. We don't have to be afraid of pain or discomfort. And to see that and to open to that is tremendously freeing. In the mind because it allows us to settle back into the moment and respond appropriately to what's happening rather than out of fear of what might happen being accepting being allowing being soft relaxing into it rather than avoiding or contracting what's also very helpful in working with pain is keeping a sense of humor. Not only working with pain, working with everything that arises. Keeping, keeping a certain lightness. Sometimes in the retreat, especially as people just getting into practice, often there's a sense of grimness. You know, And you're walking around I'm going to be mindful if it kills me. And kind of grimly walking and sitting. That's not mindfulness. That's grimness. And they're two totally different things. The mindfulness is very light and very soft and very delicate. One teacher, a Vietnamese teacher had a wonderful suggestion for his students. He told his students to practice with a half smile. Just now, try a half smile. It changes things, doesn't it? It's like just somehow the facial muscles connected to the brain someplace. (laughs) It it helps. This is not a metaphorical suggestion. It's a literal suggestion. It helps to stay light with experience. To remember that the awareness doesn't mean heaviness. It doesn't mean ponderousness. That it can be, even with even with intense experience like pain, with some humor, with some lightness. pain That's one, one big area that pushes us to the edge that if we don't understand how to work with it, creates a struggle. Right? If we do understand how to work with it, it becomes an entryway into deepening practice, into a, into a greater opening. There are other elements of experience which also bring us to an edge of what we're willing to be with which are often at the heart of our struggles. These are different mental states, the the mental analogs to pain in the body. There are many different kinds of mental states or emotions that we resist, that we don't like. Just to mention a few of them and suggest ways of working with them. Restlessness. It's a big one in the beginning. Right? The mind gets agitated, gets restless, hard to sit still. It's unpleasant. Because it's unpleasant, we start struggling with it. As we struggle, we get more restless. If the restlessness gets more intense, we, we resist it even more, and we're bound in this cycle. Instead of struggling with the restlessness, see if it's possible, in the same way that we work with pain, to relax into it, to open it, to investigate exactly what the nature of restlessness is. Because like pain, restlessness is an abstraction for more specific experiences. Can you pinpoint or can you dissect this combination of experiences which we call restlessness? You'll see that it has certain physical sensations, has a certain emotional tone, certain kinds of thoughts. If you look very carefully, if you investigate carefully rather than react or pull back or resist the experience, then it's possible to transmute that energy of restlessness and the struggle with it into real understanding. It's another part of our experience here in the meditation center and in our lives. It's an energy that often runs our lives. Is it possible to understand it, to go into it? Something that might help you work with an energy like restlessness is the understanding that the mind, using the image of the mind as a camera, you can think of it as a camera with two lenses. One lens is a telephoto lens, or a zoom lens, where you zoom right in very precisely to the object. So working with the breath, it can get very microscopic. Or working with a particular sensation in the body, zoom right into it. But sometimes the zoom lens is not appropriate. Sometimes you have to change it, change the lens on your mind, to the wide angle. That's what you have to do with restlessness, because it's a big, it's a wide, it's an extensive energy. And if you're trying to stay pinpointed in the midst of this big energy, then there's a struggle. Because your mind is not accommodated, accommodating the extent of the energy that's present. So if you let go of that zoom lens focus and settle back and open up to that sense of you're open to the whole feeling of restlessness. It's like you open yourself to it. Let me be restless. Let me die from restlessness. <laughs> and it's just a willingness to be with that experience, to see what it is, not to try to change it, not to try to avoid it. Just... You're with it. And as you're with it, there's a possibility of understanding it. It seems so obvious, doesn't it, that in order to understand something, we have to be willing to experience it. If all our energy is in pushing it away or resisting, there's no possibility. We never find out what it actually is. Just as with physical pain, with restlessness also there's no need to be afraid of it we've never lost a yogi from restlessness <laughs> nobody i know has died from it and so again it, it creates with the proper attitude it creates an interest rather than a struggle it doesn't have to be a struggle Depending on our relationship to it. Another mind state, which often creates struggle because we don't relate to it skillfully, is boredom. I'm sure that there have been times in these last few days you're sitting or you're walking and you just think, I cannot take another step. If I do lifting, moving, placing one more time, and it's just the boredom becomes unbearable. How much of our lives are spent in the avoidance of that feeling? How much do we do in our lives that's fueled by this fear Of being bored. When boredom arises, be bored. Be totally and fully and completely and openly and lovingly bored. Find out what it is. What's going on? What is this experience that we've been so afraid to be with, that we pull back from and get involved in all kinds of activities? You know, to to not be with. I'll give you a, a little hint or clue in terms of the nature of boredom. Something for you to investigate for yourself to see whether it's true in your experience. It was actually an observation by Fritz Perls, a the gestalt therapist, founder of it. And it seemed to me Very, very accurate in terms of our experience. He said that boredom is lack of attention. Boredom arises when our attention is superficial. That's revolutionary in a way, because what it's saying is that boredom has nothing to do with the particular object or the particular experience. It's not the experience that's boring, we are boring. (laughs) that's very different but it also gives hope because then instead of struggling with a boring experience and having to endure it we see that actually that state of boredom has to do with our own quality of mind and I think that you'll find when the attention gets very close and very careful, inherent in that closeness of attention is interest. A little experiment, um, exercise you can do. This, this is a walking meditation exercise, especially at those times when you're bored with it right, or it feels mechanical as a way of arousing interest through closeness of attention. See how slowly you can walk and still move. As a model for that, some of you are probably familiar with this, uh, Marcel Marceau, the famous mime, once did a routine where he went from standing position to lying position and you never saw him move. That's pretty good. (laughs) (laughs) The increments of movement were so small, so slow, that you never saw any movement, and yet he went from standing to lying. (laughs) If that doesn't hold your interest, (laughs) See, we usually don't play the edge. Often we're involved in seeing how fast we can go. But very few of us have experimented with how slow we can go. And I'm not suggesting that you do this kind of as, you know, the general pattern throughout the day all the time. Although slowing down is helpful. But just at times, to play that edge of slowness. And you'll see immediately how much interest comes From the awareness of movement in that context, the boredom disappears. Working with restlessness, working with boredom, not being afraid of it, but going into and exploring it. There are so many. There are so many states that we tend to resist and struggle with. The principles are the same. Anger, aversion. When anger comes in the mind, is it possible to open to it in a way that it actually is illuminating of the nature of anger. Rather than lost in the storyline, you know, in the melodrama of what this person did and what that person did and what I'm feeling, and rather than get into the soap opera of it, when anger comes, if you can drop a level and open to the experience of it, it's intense. Anger is an intense energy. It's it's equivalent to some strong sensation in the body, some strong pain. It can be extremely energizing if we're not identified with it. If we're not claiming it as my anger and you know, getting involved in that, in the script line. Then we're opening up to an understanding of another kind of powerful energy that washes through. What I'm suggesting in all of this is that there is nothing in our experience which falls outside the range of practice. Nothing. There is no state whatsoever, whether it's exceedingly blissful or very painful or difficult. Nothing lies outside of practice. And now what we're doing is learning how to open and relate to each of these states from a place of balance. Not holding on when things change, not resisting when things come. Use the times of struggle that come, and they do come a lot. Use it as a signal or feedback But that's the time and the place, or that's the situation, to investigate how it is that we're resisting our experience. What is it that we're not opening to? And so it becomes a tremendous challenge and a tremendous opportunity to understand this working of our our mind-body process in a wider way and in a deeper way so we use the struggles that come actually and transform it into insight working with pain working with difficult mind states like restlessness or boredom or anger or fear or whatever it is that may come do you have any questions about working with any of these things Morning, you mentioned when you watch a strong sensation, often that can create tension in this voice to
0: maybe go back to the grandstand. I know you're going to say middle path, but uh, how does uh, that, I a lot
1: of times (laughs) when I'm sitting here experiencing pain, I try to soften into it, and I think I'm doing okay
0: What's the question? The question is uh, reconciling those those two. uh, I guess you could say guidances. It's
1: the same one actually. It's the sense of opening of being with the painful feeling, right? When you become aware that there's there has been an unconscious tensing or tightening or resistance, noticing that. Coming back to the breath for a while in order to again soften, right? the mind softens with the breath and then again returns to the awareness of whatever intense sensation there is. So it's really, it's just a way of, returning to the breath is a way of coming back to a place of openness which can then be brought to the, to the painful feeling. Is that clear? They're, they're not in conflict at all. Kind of like chipping away at it Sometimes it'll be like that. Sometimes it'll be like that. Sometimes you may notice when the when the attention is is quite strong and you can go right into the field of the painful sensations. And another suggestion in terms of working with it. It's not very helpful to stay on the level my knee hurts. Because that, that first of all is totally a concept and an abstraction. And it tends to solidify things and to claim it. We create ourselves as the owner. And it locks it all in. Rather than that if you can go right into that field of sensation and go to... Within that field of sensation, go to the pinpoints of maximum, maximum intensity. And so within that field of sensation, in a particular moment, one point will be most intense. And you go right to that point, and often in the awareness of that, it dissolves. And then another point, it's like... Um, it's like a field of, you know, stars or something with, with changing intensities. And you're always going to the one that's the most intense, and that dissolves. The next one, most intense, that dissolves. And in that way, the density of it right, and the solidity of it begins, to, it begins to open up. You see that there's no knee. That's a wonderful discovery. Any other questions? Yes.
0: Do you have a suggestion similar to that around um, restlessness? Because I, I listen to you when I say yes. If what you're saying makes sense. And yet I've had a really hard day today and extremely restless. And I can I've had. I just. I can't imagine how to um, do it. <laughs> really so i'm i'm wondering if like the suggestion you made about going very slowly you have a suggestion like that around restlessness
1: yeah. pinpointing something in particular um, you could actually the going very slowly might be a good thing to do when you're restless too uh, while you're sitting here if, if you're doing the sitting meditation and the restlessness is strong as a way of changing those lenses of the mind you know from zoom lens to wide angle you might leave the breath and just sit and feel your whole body so in other words you expand the field of awareness but instead of kind of a narrow focus on the breath there's a wide open focus on the whole body at once and so you're sitting and and open to the sensations that are going on, and see how precisely, how accurately, you can determine what are these sensations that are being called restlessness. Don't be satisfied with the impression of them, which leads to this abstraction, restlessness. Rather, get more specific. Okay, what and what's the sensation that is restlessness, or several sensations? And so you're sitting in open, not, not in that narrow focus, but in the very open, and you take the whole body as a field, and you look very carefully, okay, what is this? Is it throbbing? Is it tingling? Is it pressure? Is it pulling? And you see how accurately you can cognize it. That very investigation, that way of investigation, again brings the mind into a balance with it rather than a struggle with it. There are times when the restlessness can get so intense and the ability to do what I'm suggesting is just is not strong enough. Then you could get up and do either some fast walking or some, some very slow walking. You know, just as a way to come back to kind of balance, but I'd certainly make the effort, you know, to to investigate it very precisely. The same thing with sleepiness. For many of you, sleepiness is very uh, predominant, which is common the first few days. See how precisely you can determine what it is. What is sleepiness? It's interesting. Really, it's going to the depth of experience rather than settling for a surface impression. Is this clear? Okay. Because it's really an important um, emphasis in practice, this accuracy of perception.
0: Um, I don't think that others moving. be
1: You didn't mention so um, completely, and I find that sadness is something I've been having, and um, you said when you're bored, be bored completely and lovingly,
0: and when I do that with sadness, I start to cry, and I don't know if there's a difference between crying and investigating, but that's what happens when I I open up to it.
1: The crying or not crying is not so much the issue. The issue that you should look at, that's important to determine, is whether there is an awareness of the emotion and the experience, or whether there's... An identification with it, and a wallowing in it. And those two are very different mindsets. One is an identified involvement, that sense of, I'm feeling so sad. And the other is the openness to it with a, with a very strong degree of awareness and interest in the nature of sadness, not in your particular story of what's making you sad. Do you see the difference in that? What we're trying to do is to discover the nature of mind, the nature of our experience. And what's so powerful about it is that the nature of mind is universal. When we understand the nature of sadness in ourselves, we understand the nature of sadness in everybody. The stories are different. The content is different. But the nature of these states is the same. So that's why we don't want to stay on the story level. On the, on the analyzing uh, content level. And I think that I don't stand the story and I cry and I just release it that way. Right. So that's my way of being. Okay. Sometimes that's fine. No, I'm just crying and, and staying mindful and you feel... You know, the sensation of the tears on the face. and You really stay mindful with it. At other times you might experiment with with a gentle kind of restraint of the expression in order to become more finely aware of the energy out of which that expression is happening. Because often the expression of emotion... Although, at times, it's totally appropriate and, and helpful. At other times, it can be a distraction for us from feeling that energy out of which it's coming. You see? And so sometimes it would be helpful, in a gentle way, to restrain the expression and drop back into this more fundamental place. You know, it's so interesting, just <laughs> this, this whole process of, of looking carefully. Yeah. Can you speak about drowsiness a bit more? It seems like when one is drowsy, it's difficult to look at drowsiness. <laughs> Not necessarily. It's difficult to look at drowsiness when you're struggling with drowsiness. And so if you're feeling drowsy and you're struggling to be awake, then it's very difficult to look at anything because all of your energy is uh, caught up in the struggle and the resistance. In the same way that you could work with restlessness or boredom or sadness... First of all, see whether there's a struggle there. See whether you're, you know, you're in this battle to be wakeful. See if it's possible to let go of the battle, to drop into the experience, not, not worrying about whether you're going to go to sleep or not. I mean, what's the struggle? The struggle is not to go to sleep. If you don't worry about that, if you go to sleep, fine. You wake up rested and ready to go again. If you give up that struggle and just kind of settle back into it, you might find, which I've found at times, that actually sleepiness, you can get into a state, you know the state just before you fall asleep at night. Very often, it's a very relaxed, concentrated state. You know, because it's like there's not enough energy to be defended And so, actually, there's there's a lot of openness that can happen in that state. If you let go of the struggle with it, you might find that it drops into something like that, you know, at times. And it's in that space that you could be with, you could investigate the nature of it. Good luck i I can relate how I did over six days of drowsiness today. And that was, I couldn't start looking at it until I made a resolution that I wouldn't get up from my seat until I went through one whole sitting without falling asleep. I sort of did like the body down the boat tree, it had to do with drowsiness. And I I think the fear of having to miss tea and (laughs) everything. Uh, uh, good (laughs) sure if you can do it with a sense of humor (laughs) it sounds fine (laughs) okay I think if you have more questions you could come up um I'd like to remind you, just as I, you know, observe the course of a day here, and you're sitting and you're walking. Often there seems to be, you know, sort of recess times. You know, like the the hundredth look at the bulletin board or, or whatever. <laughs> It's not even so much a question of what you're doing or not doing. Rather, a reminder to see if you can be continuous in your mindfulness. There would be a way of going up to that bulletin board very mindfully, you know, where you're aware of each step and the turning and the looking and the reading and the turning away, and the continuing with what you're doing. It's that kind of continuity which is really the power. It's the power source for the practice. And this is as a reminder for you to, in a light and gentle way, not in a ponderous way, and not in a grim way, very lightly and softly and delicately, But to work with that sense of continuity, don't be neglectful of the small things, the small movements, because they, um, you'll see that if you can, if you can maintain that sense of continuity, it really intensifies and deepens the practice in a very beautiful way. Thank you.